welcome to episode 60 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt.com. I am Matt Rodriguez, the Owner-in-Chief Editor of ShakeFire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney uh, from LastOneToLeadToTheater.com and ATLCW.TV. And uh, we have a pretty cool show for you guys today. We have some interviews from TV Land Younger, which I did out at the ATX Festival a couple weeks ago. And then we're going to talk Transformers and The Hero. I saw neither of these films, so I'm sure I'm going to have a lot to contribute to this. <laughs> but, um, but before we get started, um, Mike has a pretty cool event this weekend. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's called uh, the Terminus uh, uh, Conference and Festival. Uh, it takes place down at the uh, W. Atlanta Midtown Hotel and also at uh, SCAD Show. So they're right across the street from each other. Um, it's basically a four-day event. It's devoted to uh, connecting people up with, that are creative and in industry professionals uh, from TV, from film, and for gaming. Um, they have a shorts film festival. They have a whole bunch of game design expos. Um, they do. There's a bunch of p- uh, connection parties that you can go to, and then they do a ton of workshops and educational panels. Um, I w- yes, last year was the first year I went to it. I had a great time, um, and uh, it's it's put on by the people behind the Campus Movie Fest, which is the largest student film festival. Um, so. Uh, they brought it back again this year, and that's where I'll be this weekend. Nice. Yeah. I we actually did a campus movie report. fest back in the day, back in my college years. Cool. Do they still do them? I think so, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, still no, do. They still have it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I look forward to to hearing about it next week. Um Speaking of festivals, we'll just go ahead and hop right into these interviews. Um, I have two this week from the folks over at Younger. The first one, they broke them up, guys versus girls. So uh, we'll start with the girls first. Um, Here is my interview with Molly Bernard, Miriam Shore, and Allison Brown. Um, Molly and Miriam are two of the actresses on the series, and Allison Brown is actually a writer and producer for Younger. So here you guys go. The panel was amazing. I mean, yeah, watching it was the best part. The panel was fun, but really, like, the audience loved the episode. And it was like we were in a sitcom. Like, the laughs yeah, were kind yeah, of yeah. unreal. It was really great. Have you seen the first episode? I have. Okay, yeah. so the end, people really freaked out yeah. about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were grabbing <laughs> yeah. the people next to them. I know, it's I fun that. to see. In, yeah, not in so a cool. sexual way. No, maybe, no, no. Maybe we couldn't. Later, yeah. right. Yeah. With promise, grabbing later. the promise. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to ask, uh, with Kelsey knowing the truth now, how is that going to affect the female friendships on the show? Is that going to provide any weirdness? Well, what's interesting is Diana knows that something is going on. Obviously, she doesn't know what it is. So she's sort of surmising and trying to, like, figure out what's going on. Because she's in the work environment, and there's stuff between them. So she's just, you know... But then she kind of thinks she knows. Oh, she's pretty sure. Yeah. She's pretty yeah. sure she, she knows. Think. And then she just kind of writes it off. It's yeah. so interesting, you know. Yeah. And But she does, like, think it's something that Liza should mm-hmm. get over, you know. She's yeah. like, it's not the most important thing. She thinks it's a boy thing, right? She thinks it's like, and it kind of is. Right. <laughs> no, it's not at all. And yeah. at the moment, she kind of asks Liza about it, and Liza's maybe going to tell her if Diana cuts her off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> more funny. funny. Yeah. Lauren is so self-involved, she doesn't understand what's going on. I don't think she sees it. Yeah. Also, I'm surprised Kelsey doesn't confide in Lauren, but I understand why. Yeah. Lauren would capitalize on that in a heartbeat. Yeah, we talked about that a lot, because we were like, well, she's going to tell Lauren. But, because they're not living together now. Yeah. Yeah. It made it easier. Right. And also, like, right. it's a threat to her company. Yes. yes, yes, it's yes. not just like a secret she has about her friend. No, and making it that I think helps. Well, I help think us. Yeah, it's very clear with the stuff that happens when we were in the season. <laughs> there's no potential for Lauren to work in a different capacity yeah. for him. Uh huh. Uh huh. Which is my dream come true <laughs> because. It would facilitate this. Yeah, I know. 
I know, we've never done a scene. No, you haven't. That would be too much. Well, one was written. Did you not read that? No. No, okay. One was written. And then... Oh, no, I wanted that to happen so yeah. bad. Yeah, and then it... But yeah. now we're like talking so cryptically. Yeah, we are talking yeah. very cryptically. I'm but so sorry. Got, listen, like, you're, you're so we're so lucky that we have I our have no like, writer here. <laughs> like, I got in trouble earlier <laughs> for saying too much. So, so Darren was like, shut it down. Yeah. Oh, I got in trouble me. last year. He was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've oh, really? Before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daddy. <laughs> well, without um, obviously talking about what you can talk about, what can you tease for next season? Because both of your characters, you know, had some major growth last season, and where does that kind of... Also, we're both in, like, relationships. We are. Yeah. We are. Interesting. Oh. No. That, um, that, obviously, our show is um, about relationships and delves into the complexity of those relationships, so, you know, things aren't going to stay hunky-dory in every which way, or it wouldn't right. be an interesting story. No. Right. Right. Um, but I love, I love that. I love it too. I mean, what can we tease? Um, I can tease that Lauren may or may not stay heterosexual. Um, she might, <laughs> she may or may not um, continue her trajectory of um, uh, self-actualization in a myriad of other ways. Um, I'm going to tease the same things for Diana. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. A little bit. Not yeah. Really. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Lauren can't be contained, and I feel like Lauren is very busy trying to see uh, how she how she fits in what boxes, I guess. And I feel like we don't want to contain her at all. The writers, we don't want to contain either of these two. They're fun <laughs> single. I hate saying it, but it is true. Yeah. Which is not to say yeah. that anything happens to their relationship. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. But you've given. You. I feel like you've given. Because of the scenes I just shot last night, which I can't oh, talk yeah. about. I, shot, I was shooting till three in the morning in oh, New York wow. City, and then yeah. I'm here. Thanks you. for coming here. Yeah, that's why Feeling I'm drinking good. a real strong cup of tea. There you go. Um, uh, you, you gave me some 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 emotional stuff that uh, I loved. loved it. Yeah. And um, yeah. is that what you shot last night? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I I really love it. I think and I think it says some things about women in relationships that I'm glad to hear. You know about you know a lot of times storytelling seems to be obsessed with which guy and sometimes I like to hear mm-hmm. a, another version of that which mm-hmm. is like is that the only story you know right. that's important in a woman's life or is there other you know um, but and I feel you like you did say that to us when we were like listen and we were like <laughs> <laughs> and we were like yeah 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 that does make sense well. I don't think it's a sad thing for a woman to not be in a relationship if she doesn't want to be. Right. You know? I feel like nobody looks at men who aren't in relationships and like that, you know, I don't know. It, it seems to be something looking at women. Oh, that's sad. She's yeah. watching, you know? But you have to look at what they want out of their lives. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they, give, they, they write so much strength for these characters, mm-hmm. you guys. So I love that. I love you. Know. But I love I love her relationship with Richard too because it really did challenge her. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. In particular ways more recently that I've filmed that are hilarious. <laughs> One in particular that was shockingly hilarious. Mm-hmm. How far how far into the season are you guys with production? We're almost done. Yeah. We have two more episodes to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 10 in. I know. Mm-hmm. And we're already picked up for season five. Congratulations. Yeah. That's never happened to me before. I have filled them all. Keep you saying that. Say keep that. saying that. You always say that. Keep and saying it's it. So... It's working for us, right? Yeah, right. Uh, whatever I'm doing is working. It's true. <laughs> so You're killing it. Self-flagellate. Yeah. You're Continue killing to self-flagellate it. so that yeah. that's working. <laughs> well, knowing that um, before this season ends, does that affect how you guys approach production or you know potential storylines for the finale? Knowing, knowing we're that, picked up. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we. I said this on the panel, but like we hadn't broken episodes nine, ten, eleven, or twelve, and we had broken season five. Well, we had an idea, and we were like, oh, this would be an amazing season five. We'll do this, this, and this. But we were like, okay, but first we have to focus on these more. (laughs) But yeah, there's a sort of a obstacle. Step gingerly through this minefield. I know. There's some crazy stuff that happens in season four. Honestly, it's the craziest yet by far. By art. Mm-hmm. I like 
like how you guys were being very familiar with what we say. No spoilers. Well, wow. <laughs> it's also hard because we're in it right now, and yeah. so I, it's like we're talking about everything that's right. happening, but it's. Oh, but we can tell you where there's a there's a journey that people go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go to Ireland. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Last episode takes place in Ireland. A little road trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. what part of Ireland can you say? Dublin, like around cool. Dublin. Cool, cool. I just went there in April. Myself. Really? Oh. So, oh, my God, that's yeah. awesome. Where'd you go? Um, so I flew into Dublin and actually did a road trip up from there and did a bunch of Game of Thrones stuff in Belfast. Oh, uh-huh. Oh We're using their crew. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you see how, how fast Whoa. our heads snapped? <laughs> yeah, we just our heads kind of like literally just whiplashed over to you. <laughs> yeah, well, so get up around hands, I think. I'm I'm angry at them right now though, because yeah. I'm like really. Mm-hmm. It's like when you know someone likes you, but they wait two weeks to call you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why you gotta play these games? Yeah. Of no, drones. Okay. <laughs> you know? Just extra just four call. months of waiting. Well, it doesn't. There's yeah. no need for that. There's no need for that. It's a little <laughs> excessive. <laughs> um. Well, there will be dragons in season five, right? Oh, we can yeah. drop. We can drop. I mean, that's, that's why. Yeah, that's, that's, why, that's why we're using. Yeah, that's why we're using. Yeah. Yeah. So. We're using <laughs> we find a dragon egg. <laughs> yeah. The last uh, episode. Diana's wearing it as a necklace, <laughs> and there's hatches. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a new cohort. Lauren creates a Twitter account for the egg. <laughs> <laughs> Calls it Dragon Egg. It's there's so and many. And it's a picture of an egg. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> What is the heaviest necklace that you've worn? Ooh, well, there's one in season the first question. episode that literally got audible gasps. When, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a real, that is a Givenchy necklace that went down a runway. That's crazy, really? And it is, I'm like, did you just like go spelunking? And there was a mic and you were like, necklace. Um, was it heavy? That, that one was heavy. Yeah, because it's and it was a rock. It was an actual piece of stone. Crazy. Um, it's crazy. On a, a, so that was, there was a pair of earrings that they gave me that I could not wear. They were too happy. Yep. I, it would have ripped them. Ugh. I was like, that's not worth it. It's no. a fun <laughs> show. I love everyone, but I would, my earlobes intact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, beauty is pain, but. But come on. Yeah, you gotta draw um, uh, But it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, one might, that one might have been one of the heaviest ones. Uh, there's oftentimes when you guys write jokes about them, and so they, there was one where they sewed two necklaces together. Oh, that's funny. Which episode was that? The one where it looks like I'm putting on. The oh yeah, season, yeah. Where it looks like I'm putting on a little. Necklace oh my god. And I go, a chunk. Oh my god, we wanted that joke for so many seasons. Oh. <laughs> and there's more necklaces. Yeah. What about the big heart one? Have you worn that one? That's in that's Diana's closet. Oh, the huge, the huge one. No, no, yeah. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, it's huge to the point where Diana's like, "Well, that's big." Then, you know, um, I have some some crazy earrings this season too that were like, "What is happening?" Right around your face. Um, but she can carry them. I could never carry them off. What? Uh, you sure can't. I feel like you could. Yeah, you could. Oh. Uh, thinking yeah. I think we, we have all <laughs> seen thinking, you yeah. do it. Yeah. I mean, it's not that style. Okay. It's different. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, well, with the, the the creation of Millennial now, um, does that give you any kind of freedom to um, tackle new topics or maybe things that are hmm. culturally relevant or newsworthy relevant right well, now? We are always trying to do that. Dar- that's one of Darren's things. It's like we need to like stay in the zeitgeist and like, and we do that this season. I think this. Well, the first we do in the first episode. Yeah. Brilliantly. Yeah. I was so taken with that when I read that yeah. episode. First of all, I was so proud to be on the show. And second of all, I was like, that is an alchemy to be able to 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 talk about what's happening but keep it with completely within the realm mm-hmm. of this world. And and so still make the show the like delight that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have that thread. But it is the show. It, it is, is about the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Which is yeah. um I love when Charles says, you know, I didn't, I didn't buy the book because uh, truth is important. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And any time like, that's oh, brought up, you see oh. Liza like have to question yeah. like, what she's doing. What am I doing? Hi. Yeah. Hello. Mm-hmm. Because we all, well, because we all, because we all have a tenuous relationship with the truth at some point. Yeah. Right. And and you know we're all culpable on that level, so you have to sort of examine what mm. truth is and what how important mm. it is. So, like, it's a delightful confection of a show that's actually about it's, something. It's kind of yeah. crazy that we are on a show about lies and truth, and we're living in, like, post-truth America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and that was the first of two younger interviews. Um, they're a well lot done, of Emma. fun. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think I've had an interview with uh, Miriam Shore on this podcast before. She is just like the coolest chick ever. Like, I just want to hang out with her. I mean, they're all awesome, but there's something about Miriam's sense of humor that I just really love. And I feel like you guys probably got that from the interview. Um, although you might not know which one was talking was Miriam, but she was the really, really funny one. <laughs> um, and, I, and I love the show. It's one of my favorite shows to watch. Um, it's, we're on coming up on season four, right? Yeah. Season four starts on June 28th and you can actually um, catch up on all of the past seasons, one through three on Hulu right now, if you want to binge it before the 28th. Um, it's a really easy watch. It's 30 minutes. It's really funny. Um, Sutton Foster, of course, is the lead and it's it's just really it's really well done um but let's hop into the second one with a name i'm hoping i'm not going to butcher um the guys from younger of course darren Starr is the creator and executive producer of the series and he also created uh, sex in the city so that's kind of um the same vein that this series is in except it's got a little bit more comedy to it i think than uh than Sex and the City had. Um, and then our two leading men, uh, the, the love triangle that our lead character is in, is she's in it with uh, Peter Herman and Nico Tortorella. Yeah, I did pretty good. Tortorella. Um, We're just, we'll sure. go with that. Okay. We'll go with that. You know, um, like if, if yeah. he is listening and it is wrong, he can tell us personally. I know. And we will correct in. it. Yeah. We will. We will. Um, so here is my interview with the, the men of Younger. Um, so I want to kind of start with what you guys can talk about um, for this season, especially romantically with your characters, given where last season ended. Uh, what are you able to tease? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Josh is destroyed right now from this, uh, you know, ultimate end of this relationship. And for now. Uh, I think that he, I don't know, we get a really um, nice chance to see him working that out with himself and with other people and just, uh, you know, I think him and Kelsey have an incredible friendship that that sparks since they've both been heartbroken by the same woman. And uh, I don't know. What I love about the show is that, is that as important as the romantic relationships are, the friendships on this show, you know, are if not more important. Right. And that's so true in my life. And, and it's nice to see on television because you don't really always see that, true. especially female relationships, you know. True. Uh, Charles and Laura. It's a big storyline. No, you know, I, I, um, I, I certainly think that, um, you know, try as he might um, I think that Charles can't evict this uh, uh, the, can't evict Liza Thank from you. his heart and what just black does it that's it, that's it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think that he, he certainly uh, negotiates within himself to see how how far to open how far to open that door um, and and but it is just it, neither in life nor on TV uh, ever uncomplicated. Uh, and then and I think that you know that's why that then the show I think is in that sense true to life uh, is that the you know the the path to true love never did run smooth for anybody for, for probably about ninety nine percent of the population. Um, and uh, and then there is a. His, his life is not uncomplicated um, and so and then there's a, a significant event and obstacle that that appears um, which is really beautifully written because it's something that's that grows organically out of the seasons that we've seen um, and I think when it when it happens it's a, uh, it's, a it's just very very beautifully done um, well, with the kind of addition of millennial to the show, what kind of um, avenues is that opening up for you as far as kind of tackling the topics, or how is that helping with the evolution of the season? Well, I think it's important because I, I feel like um, Kelsey is empowered, 
Liza has been very involved in that and is meaningful to Millennial and brings in a whole other set of authors and storylines. Um, but I think, you know, I think one thing about the show that's, that's always been emphasized is it's really a show about work and people that are very connected and passionate about their jobs. And I think it's why Liza did all this was so she could work. And I think she does um, advance this season, and I think we see her advance. And I think that Kelsey is a very driven, career-minded character. And I, and so I think that's, you know, these are characters who really are whose work is like really very important to them. And I think the fact that she's a young, she's very young, she's running her own imprint is very, it's very much emphasized this season. Um, if you guys could offer Eliza uh, really any advice at this point, would you kind of tell her to engulf herself in her work, or what would you, as individuals, like offer life advice to her at this point? Live her truth, you know. Be like, come clean is the first thing that I would say. Hmm. Uh, unapologetically yourself and own that shit. <laughs> so, if if we knew Liza, yeah, like if, if Liza if, was your friend in real life, like what would if you? Here was friends with Liza. Yeah. Um, I would say unequivocally, you got to tell the truth. Yeah. Unequivocally. I mean, and then, and then I think that she would likely explain the circumstance, and I would go, huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, not that simple. It's a little complicated. Um, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, little, it's a little more complicated than that. Um, and uh, and I think I would probably marvel at the person that she is. Um, I like Peter's answer. I mean, I feel like I would say I would say you have to tell the truth. But when I when I would hear why the reasons why she can't um, or or who she is protecting by not telling the truth, I might understand why it's not a good time now for her to tell the truth. You know. And, and I think I'd also probably get, I'd be like, oh my God, what is that like? I would be so curious about what her life is like. In, 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 yeah. You know? Yeah. I would tell her to actually start a YouTube channel and tell the entire story on YouTube, <laughs> blast it out to the world, right. and then you can just start making money that way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> genius. Yeah. Um, so it seems like, you know, since, since, you're kind of on a romantic hiatus with Liza, <laughs> at least for the time being. For now, yeah. For now. Um, is there a chance that we could explore you guys together? Is that something we're going to see a little bit this season? I think we've been Liza? exploring it for four seasons. But like four. actually have them, because she's so great with your kids, and it just seems, I mean, I like both of you guys. I would, so say, I would say yes. Wow, says says Darren. Um, there is, a, right? but but to, I don't want to, to, I don't want to like feel yeah. like we can't talk. Yeah, about I mean to, right. to to answer that question is is there a chance? Um, yeah, yeah, you know there, uh, um, yeah, yeah, there um, there uh, there is, and and uh, and again, it's just not uncomplicated. Right. Um, well, I know you guys have um, one amazing guest star in the, the opening um, or in the premiere episode. Can you talk a little bit about working with Kristen and then maybe any others that you can tease? Well, you should talk. You had so, so much fun with her. Um, she, she's, she's just, um, she's just a light. She's, I mean, there's, there's also just the, when we saw it, we, we know each other, you know, and, and so, and then when we knew that we were working together. Um, you know, she stands a proud 4'11", um, and, and just that in itself, I mean, even when the cameras weren't rolling, we would just stand next to each other and laugh. Was she on um, an Apple box for that scene? No. No, not at all? No, 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 that was the point. I love no, it. No, that was the point. Um, and, uh, but she was in, she was in heels. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, yeah, yeah. She was in Apple shoes. And, uh, and the, and I love, I, 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 I think we all appreciate, uh, 
we know when, when you come on as, as a guest star and the, the, the people who've come on the show they you can just tell they come on and they just so wanted to be good and she was so it was it was um it was she was so so beautiful that way and and you know and she's so incredible and she's Kristen Chenoweth you know um, and she's like you want to try it this way or do you want to try it this way and it's so open and so giving and so generous um, and just so fantastically funny I wish she would have met Josh at some point not over she would have too bad you for dinner <laughs> um, are there any others that you can I mean, I just know that there, we have some terrific people that are coming on this show. Jennifer Westfeld is coming on this show. Um, Lois Smith, who's a wonderful actress, legendary, legendary theater actress, is on the, is is guesting on this on this show this season. Um, what's that? Oh yeah, um, uh, Asif Mandiv has a big arc on this series, and he's fantastic. Um, so those are a few people. Sophia? Yeah. Um, well, getting renewed uh, for season five, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, getting renewed before you had finished production on this season, does that affect how things ended this season or what you what you had planned or anything? Not really, because we pretty much figured, you know, had figured the stories out for season, you know, broken the stories for season four before the renewal came in, so we weren't really... But I think we always pl think a little bit ahead. I mean, I think the biggest struggle this season was the impending writer strike. Yes, that yeah, you know, I think that it kind I know, of it's like that was just crazy. I mean, for every for, all for us specifically, yeah. for all television, but like because we were really deep in production, yeah. and we um, had to just really get all, almost all of our scripts done, just to be sure. So and they came in so solid, though. It's like, incredible, yeah. Even, yeah, even thanks. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. the rush one, yeah. And yeah. it was the first time we got... Yeah, all the scripts. All, all the, the scripts, scripts within the first, like, that was a mistake. shooting, <laughs> was it? Yes. Why? Because we were not actually... It was like, they just sort of went out. It was such chaos going on. They basically, oh, everybody got the scripts. Everybody, okay. Well, that's fine. <laughs> I think it's really nice sometimes for the actors not yeah, to... Wait. Not to sort of sort of see what's coming in every episode because I feel like right. you guys are able to then sort of be more in the moment with mm. shooting the you know mm. being in the moment with the shows you're on like and suddenly if you're like I don't know that's you my, know what happens that's yeah. my yeah, feeling yeah, yeah. you know I understand yeah um, I've never been on a show where that many episodes ahead to begin with so yeah, it was never right. a, an issue of getting shows right. episodes to everybody suddenly we had like a glut of scripts that mm -hmm. we that we had to finish. <laughs> Did you guys read them all right when you got them? Oh, hell yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they drop everything and read it. Absolutely. It was actually pretty cool. Once we found out the strike wasn't happening, we got another script. Yes. You know? An in-betweener. An in-betweener. In <laughs> filler, yeah. Yeah. But it's really, it's it's an incredible thing to be shooting a season knowing that there's going to be another one. Because usually you find out at the end, and it's such a luxury to know already. It's great. Yeah, there's still another 12 scripts that we know are going to happen, and we don't know what's going to happen. Yes, know? nobody does. <laughs> nobody does. <laughs> when do you start writing for the next season? We'll probably start, we probably won't start writing for the next season until the, the very end of this year. Okay. Yeah. So we have a while. I mean, we're still filming this season. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. We're filming um, through July. How did, how did uh, for you guys, seeing the evolution of your character over the season, was there anything that really surprised you about where you started and where you end up in the finale? <laughs> yeah. A whole lot. <laughs> um, I can't really say too much. I, 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 yeah, I mean, Josh is really going for it <laughs> you know I think he had a mission and he is still on it <laughs> I like it and I for me it was um, something that something that you know you had talked about uh, as an idea of something that might happen and, and ended up happening this this, this season um, and, and then and then individual scripts you get and you look at scenes and you're like uh, oh, okay. Mm. There's, oh, wow. Hi. How are you? Um, and uh, so there's some of that. Um, and uh, and it, it is rare that we. I don't think that any of us have ever gotten a script and read a script and said, "Oh, yeah, okay, I expected that." Yeah. Right. Uh, totally. Never. Which is, which speaks for the writing. Right. You know. And, you know. I think one thing with Charles, I kind of feel like we've only seen a, 
a lot more up to this season, just in pieces from Liza's point of view. And I think this season, I think you get more of a 360 view of his life. What do you say? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you're That's not true. just seeing like the the moment from Liza's point of view. You're seeing Charles's life a little bit more holistically. You know? Yeah. Do we know what Josh's last name is yet? <laughs> I'll tell you later. It's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we don't know. That's easy. We need to know all that. that. We don't know Josh's last name. Is there a reason for that? Or, uh, just... uh, you know what? It just never happened. Yeah. We need to know. we got to save some secret for season exactly. five. Exactly. <laughs> season five. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so that was our second interview. Um, there, I mean, that whole cast is super, super cool. And I don't know if they were supposed to tell me that they, um, uh, shot their season finale for season four in Ireland, um, or not, but I feel like that cast had the most fun doing that in, in London, doing it in Belfast. And, um, they, I just want to hang out with all of them. It's, it's rare when you meet a cast where everyone seems like they genuinely truly like each other and this is definitely one of them so they're all they're all super cool nice which i I think helps with the with the chemistry um that they all like each other because that show is all about relationships definitely um i've always wanted to ask and i don't know if anyone will ever give me an answer to this um but for example like um vampire diaries where you had two of your lead characters you know dating in real life um nina dobray and ian summerholder what it's like to have to still pretend you're in love on screen after you've broken up in real life i think that's a really interesting you know i'm not looking for like gossip there or anything but i think it is an interesting discussion of like how you have to to approach that emotionally and how you can still be able to portray those emotions if you don't actually have them and of course if you break up with someone in real life i assume that that's got to affect your chemistry on screen and how you really combat that um but unfortunately that's i was thinking about that the other day because um you know ben stiller and his wife christine taylor they broke up I don't know if you guys knew that. They separated, like, earlier this year. And, like, just the other week, they both came out with um, a dodgeball video for Omaze. You know, it's Mm -hmm. Omaze is that, you know, they raise money for charity and it all goes to a good cause and you can win some cool, like, movie or themed prizes and stuff like that. And so, like, they did a dodgeball uh, little video and they were reprising their roles and stuff. And so it was, like, both of them filming together again just probably so soon like probably a couple weeks or months after their breakup and just i was reminded it's like oh yeah they just broke up yeah i mean it's got to be hard it can't be like it could have been really easy because like she was doing the whole oh i just threw up in my mouth a little bit kind of thing gag so like (laughs) that could have been real (laughs) well i mean if they're not having to pretend to be in love and i don't know if they're like actually throwing dodgeballs at each other or whatnot maybe it would be uh yeah maybe it would wouldn't be so bad you can take out your your anger on the the other one but um but still yeah i mean i I feel together would be awkward i think yeah i think it i think it would be too unfortunately that's never a question that a pr rep will let me ask (laughs) an actor and i doubt any actor will uh, answer it even if i did you just gotta Um, do it at one of those crazy parties where the drinks have been flowing you get them in that candid moment you know and they're just being brutally honest and they're not going to remember anything that they've said the next morning um It is an interesting conversation, though, um, one that we'll probably never have answers to. But that being said, um, something we do have answers to is the box office numbers from the last weekend. And it pretty much was exactly as you guys predicted it would be. Um, Cars 3 came in first with $53 million, and Wonder Woman fell to second with $41 million, And All Eyes on Me actually came in number three with $26 million. That's a That, that did really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, that that threw Mummy down to uh, fourth with fourteen million, and surprisingly, forty seven million or forty seven meters down came in fifth with eleven million. I didn't expect that to be in the the top five, but uh, no. it is. So. And, and then Rough Night did a lot worse than we predicted. We were thinking around fifteen to sixteen, and it don't did only eight. Yeah. Um, which Rough Night had a rough you know, night. That wasn't. That, yeah, that wasn't a big budget movie, but it certainly, uh, that's uh, Scarlett Johansson's second bomb 
this year. So, um, you know, that's that's something that's uh, I'm sure uh, uh, people that want the uh, the Marvel uh, Black Widow movie um, kind of hurts them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I still think that would be a, a great film. I think the problem with yeah. Scarlet is she's she's picking some not so great movies to be yeah, in. Yeah, like the problem with the her bombs haven't been Scarlett Johansson. It's been the movies. <laughs> yeah, she's she's making poor life choices, <laughs> um, much like she did in Rough Night. See, it all comes back around. Um, but I don't recommend anyone go see that because that was a really bad movie. I thought um, it was funny. Matt, you're the only I hated one. It. Only one. <laughs> yeah, Matt, you are the only no, one. It Did we actually? Million. I want to see what its score is on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's let's see how how, how alone Mike and I are in hating it. Um, it's Rough night. Probably 49%. higher than Transformers. Forty-nine. It's actually higher than All Eyes on Me and The Mummy. Mummy is at fifteen percent. All Eyes on Me at twenty-three, and somehow Rough Night is at forty-nine percent. I don't know see? how. That's, it wasn't as bad. Um, I, we've we've talked about this. We won't dive back into yeah. it. But well, speaking just... of bad, <laughs> last week you guys asked me what my least favorite movies after Emma called Rough Night one of the worst movies she's ever seen. <laughs> yep. So I've been giving it some thought, and we will be giving a full review of one of them later on today. Oh. <laughs> At least Mike and I will be. But um, I want to start off with, Mike will agree with me on this probably, Terrence Malick. I know this is probably a lot of controversial, controversial for a lot of diehard film fans, but I cannot stand Terrence Malick, especially his later films, his more recent films, like um, starting with The Tree of Life. I absolutely hate the Tree of Life. I've I've had to see it. I've had to watch it twice. I saw it in theaters and I saw it on Blu-ray when it came out. And both times, I have no idea what is going on. I hate this movie with a passion. And these next films too, like To the Wonder, Knight of Cups. I'm always in that mindset of okay, I'm gonna give Terrence Malick another try. He's got some good good visuals. The visuals are good, but I give him a try, and it's the exact same thing. I have no idea what's going on. I don't care about these characters. I don't care about the story. They're just terrible movies. And he tricks me every time. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Matt. Uh, Tree of Life, I hated that movie. Um, it was a very interesting experience. I saw it the first week it was out. I went to an afternoon screening. It was playing here locally at the Terra. And they were, it was in the largest theater. Um, but when you walked up to the box office, there was a sign on the, on the box office window that said, please read the reviews before seeing this movie. We are not giving any refunds. And I went in there, and we probably had uh, probably three-quarters of that auditorium was full. So it was probably around 350, 400 people. Literally five to ten minutes into that film, people started leaving and people continued to leave throughout the film even when you got down to where you knew the film was getting ready to end probably i was assuming probably about five minutes to go people were still leaving wow and i mean like the film landed on a lot of critics top 10 lists like number one it topped their favorite movie of that year but yep i i just don't understand it i just don't get it so yeah Watch that, Emma, and let me know what you think of it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll do. We'll see if we agree. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. um, I think the movie, talking about people walking out of the theater, um, Melancholia, which I actually liked. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I don't think I've ever seen so many people walk out of a movie screening as I did that movie. I like that one, too. I liked it a lot. I I don't know if people just didn't get it or or what. I, yeah. I don't know. I just, it, that's just you said walking out of theaters, and that's that's what that made me think of. So, do you like that one, Mike? No, I I love I love Melancholia. I was worried because that open 
was very similar to the open of uh, Tree of Life that I'd just seen like two or three weeks before. And I was like, oh no, this is gonna be another one. But then the, the fact is all those opening scenes that we saw actually had a reason. They make sense. And we were, he was foretelling stuff that was gonna happen later on right. um, in the movie. And so, no, I love that film. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good. I need to go back and rewatch that one. I definitely recommend that for for people that like um, something deep and artsy. It is a yeah. it's a deep and artsy movie, yeah. um, but very very well done. Um, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the other movie that you you mentioned. Matt. <laughs> yes, the other <sighs> Transformers: The Last Night, which is actually it's actually already out. It came out on Wednesday, so okay. Um, you can already go see it and see how terrible it is for yourself. But I recommend just watching paint dry or doing nothing, <laughs> going. staring at a wall. Or I, I've suggested my review of just going back and watching the old 80s um, animated series, because yeah. at least that those will make sense and have a plot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You want to, we, we, I think we should just skip the whole, you know, gist of the story altogether because, I mean, there is no story. There's, we have no, well, there's a staff. That's the whole thing with. And. Yeah, I mean, there's about. literally, literally there's, we, at the end of the movie, none of us could figure out what this movie was about. And it's that's two promising. and a half hours long. <laughs> it's and, about, like, robots fighting each other, right? Sure. <laughs> Just go well, with it. We'll say that. We'll say yeah. It's robots, and it's buy their toys and buy their products and buy Bud Light. Oh, is it heavy on the product placement? Oh yeah, of course it is. It's it's Michael Bay. You know it's gonna be these perfectly lined up shots where you can read the brand and everything. <laughs> it's so bad. well. It's it's funny. Um, we have a we all have a mutual friend. I won't I won't dive into details, but uh, that that posted on on Facebook about how um, his company was approached to supply something for the green room of uh, of a film, basically for them to be able to use throughout filming. And they wanted him to not only provide like all of this product, but then for for them to to use on a daily basis. And then he wanted them also to, or they also wanted him to pay $100,000 to have his product in the green room for them to be able to use. And it's kind of crazy when you, something you don't necessarily think about with films. I mean, product placement can be pretty in your face sometimes. And a lot of times it, it is very obvious that that's what they're doing. Uh, but there's a lot that's not so obvious that you don't necessarily see that happens behind the screen. So yeah, um, sure. it, it sounds like this was pretty pretty no, in your face though it's pretty blatant yeah <laughs> all right well let's uh let's jump straight into our official atlas review um boredom factor one to five how bored were you guys i'm giving it a four and a half. Oh, that's really high for you i'm giving i'm giving it a seven <laughs> <laughs> just completely disregard the atlas scale that's fine <laughs> yeah because i mean yes it is a straight up action film at heart but I mean oh my god the action is just so dull and boring like you do not care about any of these characters at all and so you don't care about the action right and and the, and the, the, the there were six editors on this film and I'm convinced that they each worked on a portion of the film because that's what this film feels like that one section of the film is doing something completely different than another section of the film. Um, you've got characters that they introduce at the beginning of the film, and then you don't that are seem to be like they're going to be major characters, and then you don't see them again till near the end of the film. Yeah. And even Optimus Prime is <clears throat> is is seems like out of half the movie. Yeah, he's and that's your main character. He's barely in it actually. Like he has maybe even like I don't even know like fifteen minutes of screen time max i would say like he's barely wow. in it. like by the trailers you would think okay this film is going to be mostly about okay it's optimus prime coming back he's the bad guy now the good guy's got to fight their former good guy and former leader but no that's like a couple minutes of the film it's it's disappointing 
All right, so that sounds sounds solid so far. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to the eye rolling factor. Um, oh my god! On no scale that exists for Mike, uh, <laughs> or on the Atlas scale if you choose to use it. Um, what would you give the film for eye rolling? I mean, yeah, no full full on five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> just maximum eye rolling whatever scale you want to use it doesn't matter it is just it, it really just does it the top yep because that's all you're going to be doing is rolling your eyes i mean everything about this film is just so ridiculous it's so over the top i mean and Anthony Hopkins, of all people, is in this film, and he's there just to explain the history of the Transformers. Literally, this speech that he gives goes on for like 10 minutes. And, and that's like which the first thing in the movie, too. And, but what's interesting is that he's given away, uh, he gives away something in that speech. He gives away that uh, Shia LaBeouf's character, uh, Sam, and his, and his parents are dead. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah. Because Hopkins says he's the last of this secret group that well, she, has bonded with the Transformers. He is the last. He's talking about well, the girl. Right. See, see, you don't know who he's talking about. You don't know what he's talking about. The story's just the uh, And guess what? You don't care yeah, either. You don't care. <laughs> but I mean, like, at one point, there's even, like, this whole, like, Suicide Squad sequence where... The government makes a deal with Megatron to find the staff, and so like they release a bunch of bad guys that you don't care about who disappear basically for the the rest of the film and just show up at random moments. It's like it's really weird. Awesome. Well, sounds sounds promising still. <laughs> uh, so best and worst performance. Uh, who who would you give those to? Best. I don't. I don't know. Um, I mean, if everyone sucked, you can say everyone sucked. I mean, I liked. Um, there's. I. I don't. There's. Um, Anthony Hopkins has a robotic butler guy, who's. He's a transformer, but he looks like a a butler. And I kind of liked him. He had some. He had. He made me laugh maybe once or twice. Hence my four point five and not a full five on the the boredom factor. Alright. Um so yeah, he would get my point five. I think he's called um Cogs Cogsman? Cogsworth. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't <laughs> care. I was about to say you don't really care, do you? <laughs> yeah. But um I'd give it to him. What about worst performance? A worst, um everybody else. Any of the any of the cast? I mean, uh, I mean, it, there's a couple of. I mean, well, first off, the 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 woman uh, that plays the uh, the key to all this, uh, Laura Haddock, um, she's just really really dull um, in this performance. Um, but I mean, Anthony Hopkins is chewing up scenery, which doesn't work. Um, Josh Duhamel is in this, and uh, uh, as this colonel that's going out to destroy the transformers um i mean just everybody just stinks in this movie they're all just doing it for the paycheck yeah the only person as far as best performance um i like stanley tucci um he plays merlin um and he's kind of funny um in the role because he basically um claims he has all these magical powers he really doesn't he just knows the transformers and uses them to help um, King Arthur. And even then, that's like maybe a three-minute performance. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, part of this, in case you didn't know, part of this takes place in King Arthur days. So Yeah, and, and, the, and the film shows you, uh, once again, it's part of the Anthony Hopkins 10-minute speech, shows you that the Transformers have been helping humans in all their battles, World War One, World War Two, um, a whole bunch of other stuff he goes into. Um, including King Arthur, so yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, yeah. All right. Even the Transformers are even responsible for killing Hitler. Yeah, and that's the maddening thing is that so Anthony Hopkins tells you about it, and then you get to see it, 
And I'm like, well, why is he telling us? And then we get to see it. This is a movie. We can see things. You don't have to tell us. It's just... Well, no, that, it's like it's like they. It'd be really weird like if they, they put just in everything. Cut, randomly cut to World War Two Nazi days. <laughs> There's got to be some kind well, of exposition for that. Yeah, but I mean, he, he explains it all, and then they show what he's just talked about. Yeah, well, that's why it's two and a half hours long. As yeah, I was about yeah. to say, how else are they going to hit that two and a half hour mark? Um. All right. Well, um, I'm assuming that there's no ATL recognition factor at all no. here. So. No, nope. not at all. Um, overall, on the scale of one to five, the official Atlas scale, A being one, full Atlas being five, what would you give Transformers the last night? Negative one. Negative one. All right. That's a... Uh, I don't know how we we say that, I don't but know all how right. You say it, but it'd be complete silence and then just screaming. And then more. <laughs> all right, fair enough, uh, Mike. I, I would give it. I would give it a very tiny A. Like you have to use like a microscope in order to see that A. Really, you're even giving it partial of a letter. Yeah. I'm giving it barely barely an A, but like I said, it's tiny, tiny, tiny. Okay. It's it's funny. I heard someone try to do like a, a, a nice review of this film, and they said, it's one of my top five favorite Transformer films directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so. Cool. Well, see, like, um, I actually liked the first one. I thought the, I thought the first one was great. And then yeah. it just went downhill from there. Yeah, I don't know why they uh, why they needed to make another one, but well, because they because it money. makes billions of dollars yeah, and sells a ton of toys. I mean, I feel like it's kind of in the same vein of, of Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, you have this yeah. franchise that starts out really, really strong and makes a lot of money, and now every film that comes out, people are going to remember how bad the last one was, yeah. and they're not going to go see it. So it's not going to continue on yeah. you know the streak of making a lot of money. Um, it's, it's still there. I mean, it's definitely been getting lower and lower each time for domestic box office, but that international market is still still pretty yeah. strong for, for Transformers, at least. That's true. The international market does love Transformers. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how box office numbers um, <laughs> next week. Well, actually, let's go ahead and uh, make some predictions. How do yeah. you think Transformers I mean, is going to do? I still think it's going to be number one. Like, really? Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I still think it will be number one this weekend. Yeah, I, I, it'll be number one. I'm probably thinking between forty and fifty million um, would be my guess. Um, and I'm thinking Wonder Woman is probably going to be number two. Um, I think Cars will drop to three. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into our next review of the hero. Um, do one of you guys want to? Set that one up, Mike. Uh, sure. Um, so the hero is uh, basically uh, it's a guy named Lee. He's a Western icon. He's played by Sam Elliott, and his best roles are in his past. In fact, he makes most of his living now by just doing voice voiceovers. Um, he finds out he has cancer, and the prognosis is not good. Um, but he's got uh, a best friend that lives next door who also is his drug dealer, uh, played by Nick Offerman. And he meets a woman played by Laura Prepon, and they start up a relationship, even though Sam Elliott is obviously much older than her. Um, it's a great performance by Elliott, um, and a, just a really, really good movie. Cool. Um, well, let's jump right into it. Boredom factor, one to five. How bored were you guys watching The Hero? I, I wasn't bored at all. I, uh, this, this movie caught me right at the start. We get to see Sam Elliott uh, doing some voiceovers. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got that great voice. And he does this line for, I can't remember, it's a hot sauce barbecue or a barbecue sauce. sauce or something. Yeah. yeah, barbecue sauce. And he says it this perfect way and the guy that's in the booth recording it says okay can you do it this way so he tries it that way and this keeps on having him do it and each one sounds great but um, it's just it's just a fun there's a lot of fun moments in this movie like that yeah no I liked it um, I'd give it a one you know there were yeah that's that's what there were a little couple of little dull moments here and there but I mean 
it was a great it's a great you know it almost satirizes um Sam Elliott because I mean he's played this you know rough and tough cowboy roles and stuff like that all the time and so like it's almost a story about Sam Elliott as it is about Lee and so it's fun to kind of see that them play with that a little bit cool um so eye rolling factor one to five where does this one fall um there wasn't much eye rolling because I mean it's such a different film and um yeah I didn't I did I had no eye rolling at all and some of my favorite moments were between Elliot and uh, Nick Offerman you know just the two of them getting together and you know watching TV and smoking and they're just hanging out and they're just have some ridiculously funny moments together so and there's there's also a great uh, moment where Sam Elliott is up for uh, a role that he would be perfect for, um, and he's got to uh, practice. Uh, so Nick Offerman uh, uh, agrees to read uh, with him, and Elliott just nails this read. I mean, it's so good, um, and it and it could be uh, you know it's a lot riding on on his career because it could uh, resurrect him because it's going to be like a. Star Wars like movie, and he plays the uh, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi kind of type of, um, of role in this. It would be in this movie, and uh, it's just a wonderful moment between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. That was the other thing about that. Like you know, it has even though like there has these funny moments and stuff, it can get really really serious at times. And like they all nailed up those roles, those moments. Because like Mike, for, Mike didn't say it, but um, he's also trying to connect, reconnect with his estranged daughter, who's played by Kristen Ritter, and so like there's this back and forth between them trying to get together, and you know. And he's always disappointing her, and has done disappointed her her whole life, um, and she uh, doesn't know that he's as sick as he is, and he's trying to make a connection, uh, but he keeps screwing it up. Um, and then uh, Catherine Ross uh, plays his ex-wife, and Catherine Ross in real life is Sam Elliott's wife. So that was interesting to, to watch also. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so best and worst performances, who, who would you give those to? Well, I'd give it to Sam yeah. Elliott because I think he, he just carries this film. It's like, and he's on screen the whole, the whole movie. Um, and he's, there's some really neat just moments where he's by himself. Um, and the, the chemistry between him and Laura Prepon is really good. Um, she's a, uh, somebody that pushes him to kind of get out of his shell and actually enjoy some stuff that he normally wouldn't enjoy. Um, and their, their relationship is, is really cool um, and believable. Um, and she's, by the way, she plays a stand-up comedian um, in the film. Cool. Yeah. Um, I- any performance? Performances that you guys didn't like? Nah, I wouldn't say so. Cause I mean, it's it's a very small film, so like, there's not that many main characters, and everybody who is there does a really good job on screen. So I mean, I wouldn't really say there was any bad performances. No, there's no. I don't think there is one in the bunch, and it, most of it's because it is a small cast. Um, well, I'm going to assume that there's no ATL recognition factor here. No. There is not. Not in this one. Um, we we are reviewing a film next week that's going to have a very strong ATL recognition factor, um, but yes. we'll, we'll tease that a little bit later. Um, so overall, what would you guys give the hero on the official Atlas scale? I would give it a um, an Atla with a small s. So, four and a half. I would do the same. Um, I it's a really good film. I highly recommend it to everybody because um, it's it's such it, there's so good performances and it it's a really moving film um, that everybody will enjoy. It's very different. I mean, it's it's not going to be these crazy ridiculous mo- uh, robots fighting each other blockbuster. You know, it's just a small, well told story. We need more of those, honestly. Yeah. Um, less remakes and less bad action movies and more stories with heart and an actual yeah. story to tell. Yeah. 
Um, well, cool. Well, cool. Um, if you don't want to go to the theaters this weekend, um, I also want to mention that Glow is premiering on Netflix, and I haven't checked it out yet. I think I do have a screener of it. Do you? Um, I really want to see it. I think I do. I feel like I got an email about it, but um, it's getting really, really good reviews, yeah. and I absolutely love Alison Brie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's one of the coolest people ever. Um, so that's that's something you can binge this weekend. The trailers looked really want. good. I, it does. I held the door open for I held the door open for her at uh, ATX. <laughs> oh, Mike. <laughs> well done. I, Thank you. I love your stories. <laughs> um, well, speaking of, of Mike's um, uh, ATX experiences with beautiful ladies, uh, we're going to have his interview next week, uh, his fireside chat with, uh, what? what's her name? Natalie? Natalie something. Mor- yes. Natalie. Natalie Morales. Natalie Morales. Um, so we'll have that next week, and then we're also going to have um, my interview with two of the guys from Girls, HBO Girls, and um, one of their their uh, directors from that series as well. So we'll dive into that next week, and we'll also have reviews of Baby Driver, which uh, we all saw last night. I don't think there's an embargo for for that one, is no, there? No, the bargain embargo's already up, so we can we can. Well, talk I can ar- <laughs> already say that it's like the best film it's of amazing. the summer. So. It is the exact opposite <laughs> of everything this week. <laughs> um, it's it's really really good and um, Atlanta is I mean it's shot in Atlanta set in Atlanta it's they it's they drink Atlanta. octane coffee and movie like it's just uh, Bacchanalia is like the restaurant to go to which is actually the Atlanta restaurant to go to so um, and and there's a chase sequence in the uh, peach tree uh, the the uh, What's it called? The Peachtree Shopping Center. Yeah, Peachtree Center. Yeah, in downtown where uh, if you go to Dragon Con, you've been to there because there's all that fast food and there's this chase sequence right in the middle of that, that, that place. I mean, it's all, it's all Atlanta. It's, so. it's all Atlanta, I, yeah. I, I would said love today to... that no other film says Atlanta more than Baby Driver movie. No, I completely yeah. agree. And I Edgar completely Wright agree. agrees too because he, he retweeted me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I would love to um, have a conversation with someone about how they kind of picked out, you know, like how did Octane Coffee become the coffee that they they used in it and why Bacchnalia, like were these favorites of Edgar Wright or um, might try to find some information on that before before next week. I would Um, imagine so because I mean, or at least favorites of him or the other part people that I'm sure he like asked the crew like, okay, where should we go? Because like he used they used an Atlanta crew. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's... Yeah, and originally the movie was supposed to be set in L.A., and then he got here and decided he had to set it in, in Atlanta. It's it's just such a great, great film, and, and we'll dive into that next week. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really great. We'll have more to say about it. And I will say, if you are as in love with a movie poster as I am, um, starting next week, we are going to be giving them away on Fanbolt. So we'll have a contest up for you to get what? a baby driver photo, or photo, baby driver poster, like the one that will be hanging in my office next week as well, because I absolutely love that artwork. Can, um, Mike, can, can Mike and I win this poster? You, you guys should totally enter I, the contest. I actually have a baby driver poster that's signed by him see he's got a one one up us one on always one upping us Um, i'm going to go find Edgar Wright and like take a selfie and have him sign something do it something sign my body and then get it tattooed be one of those guys oh i see those those folks regularly at the conventions i go to i will have him sign Um, suck it mike Edgar Wright. And then have that tattooed. Do it. <laughs> um, Thanks, man. <laughs> so much just, love just between. A one, just a one-up you. These co-host. <laughs> just a one-up you. Um, well, we'll have all of that next week, including a review of Despicable Me 3. And um, I do want to note that Comic Cosplay is coming back up on, um, uh, I guess it's, I have the wrong date here, Comic Cosplay on Monday, July 3rd at Comic Pubs and Lanes Indicator at 8 p.m. So come out, uh, dress in something 
inspired by Spider-Man if you want to. I'm going to have a really amazing costume, which I think I've already told you guys about, but it's going to be a surprise to everyone else, so I'm not going to say anything. But it's uh, it's uh, going to be controversial. Um, we'll just leave it at that. So come on out and um, see what Emma's cosplaying as. Yeah, and I won't be entering the Mike contest. Will, see what shirt Mike will wear. <laughs> I feel like Mike should start entering the contest. I can't enter them because it's it seems wrong for me to be able to win the contest True. at my own event. Um, but Mike, you should totally you should totally start entering them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll get on there. I right vote away. for you, Mike. <laughs> I would too. Well, thanks, <laughs> thanks. Um, well, cool. So that's our show for for this week, and we'll talk to you guys next week with more reviews and more interviews. And until then, my name is Emma Loggins, editor in chief at FanBolt.com, and I'm Matt Rodriguez, owner and chief editor of ShakeFire.com, and I'm Mike McKinney, who owns a bunch of t-shirts, and I'm with Last One to Leave the Theater.com and ATLCW.TV, and we'll see you guys next week. Later.